Welcome to The Queer Bean, a podcast about the art and business and joy and struggles of creating a queer media empire. I'm Alicia. And I'm Christina. And each episode, we're going to dive into the process of creating awesome content for awesome queers. Alicia and I actually met at Clexicon. I'm hoping most of you listening know what Clexicon is, but if you don't, I don't know, how, how would you describe Clexicon? Clexicon is like a fantasy land for queer <laughs> women of all stripes yes. and shapes and colors and basically everything you could want to feel like safe and surrounded by people who get it and you don't have to explain the language you're using or explain the things that you like and the media that you care about that's what Clexicon is so this is actually my first year going there I think it was yours too right oh yeah for sure and it's a total um gay utopia for women yes yes and and you don't have to worry it's it's such a bubble too because I would look around constantly and be like wow it's 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 all women and they're all different women and I know they're all queer. It was pretty it amazing. It was pretty amazing. Um, so Clexicon was based. Um, why it happened is due to kind of a tragedy that occurred in a show called The Hundred, which is it was a really great show. I loved it. It's on the CW. I no longer watch it because it broke my heart. Um, <laughs> right. Long story short, dystopia. People came back to Earth, Earth sucked, warlike mentality, <laughs> fights, whatever. The important part is the lead character, they made her bisexual and they gave her this awesome, um, so the lead character's name is Clark. So awesome. And they gave her this awesome love interest uh, called Lexa. Mm. And she was like the commander of the grounder folks, this militaristic sort of um, people on the ground. Well, you know, we'll save. Maybe in another episode we can talk about other problems in media. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As we describe this, there are issues. Like colonialism one at a and time. imperialism and othering, you know, brown folks. But outside of that, they created this great character of Lexa and they had this like really epic love story. And when Clark and Lexa had sex, like they murdered Lexa in the very next scene with a bullet. So like right yeah, away. Like immediately. Like instantly. Immediately. It's like, oh, Ugh. sex, I love you. Beautiful lighting. Everything is wonderful. Commercial Blake, death. <laughs> That's how it happened. Um, and I've never seen anything like it. The fandom actually blew up the next day um, and it got a lot of mainstream press and in order to fight back against this because this was not this didn't happen in a vacuum this is something that queer people have been experiencing with media representation throughout um, decades and decades you know it's just not there so and if it is there then you know the gay person gets killed Um, yeah the barrier gaze trap is Alive and exactly. well. Exactly. So Clexicon was created basically in direct uh, response. That's a direct response to Lexa's death. Um, that's where the name comes from because that's what the ship is called. Clark and Lexa, Clexa, Clexicon, you know, one plus one equals gay. So um, <laughs> yeah, that's how we met. Uh, we met at this thing, Clexicon started this year called the Creator Lab. I've been creating content oof, since I was... A child, of course, no one was watching back then. But um, to me, creating 
um, series, short films, anything that I can write that has more of a diverse and um, kind of queer perspective uh, was a very important thing to kind of direct all my creations towards. And so when I heard about the Creator Lab at Clexicon, I thought it was a good way to kickstart all these ideas I had in my head and meet other people who were like-minded and trying to get their stuff off the ground as well. And lo and behold, it worked. <laughs> it worked. <laughs> the master plan worked. It worked. <laughs> right. We, we met on the, I don't know, probably at the beginning of the day, it was just like, oh, hi, yeah. you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, I use as you do, when you meet people first right. off and you don't really know them, you're just kind of like feeling it out. And then we kept running into each other throughout the day and also throughout the con and realized that we had similar ideas about content creation. And yeah. I mean, I believe we went to did we went to lunch or dinner like on the last day yeah. or something, yeah. right? So let me just tell you. So I went to Clexcon by myself, which was, you know, uh, at first it was causing me a great deal of anxiety. Like, oh my god, I'm going to this place alone. I don't know. You I don't, don't know, know anybody. Yeah. It's gonna be awkward. <laughs> um, and everybody kept saying, "Don't worry." everybody is super friendly you will make friends there and they were in fact completely correct that's exactly what happened however i would go to dinner by myself at night because i would be tired i'm like i'm just gonna go get something to eat at this <laughs> place that was really close to um the hotel and so i went by myself the whole like couple of days that i was there and on the last day you came with me um to yeah. lunch or dinner or whatever it was and i'll never forget the waitress she goes oh you have someone with you <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah alicia knew everybody that she just walks on in like hey y'all it's like cheers everyone's like another round of pancakes alicia like it Honestly, I'm also mad because, so this diner that she had been going to was so affordable, and now everything else in Vegas is just astronomically priced. It's horrible. I was spending $10 a day on a horrible Starbucks coffee, and everything was so expensive, and then Alicia, last day there, she's like, oh yeah, I've been going here the whole time. And everything on the menu is like $9.95 for basically a full dinner. <laughs> Get some ribs and some pancakes too. It was so, so cheap. I want to give a shout out to Christina's $23 <laughs> cocktail. Um, God, yes. She enjoyed, I hope she enjoyed it for, for that <laughs> price. <laughs> I mean, I had to. I had no choice at that point. Swallow my pride and my money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was. That's Vegas. It was pretty bad. That's Vegas. That's Vegas. Baby. They're not trying to help you out. They're trying to, you know, leave you <laughs> broken, hopeless, maybe. I don't know. Yes. So, right. We went to the. It's also fair to mention, yeah. though. Wait, I so for me a takeaway from Clexicon and meeting all these lovely queer women was don't stay at the Hooters Hotel oh, yes. next door. See, I had to live in the land of misogyny <laughs> where basically every day I'm like starting off my day in this like gritty casino where there's like cigarettes everywhere and guys all like, hey, honey, come on over. What's your name? And then like I'm like leaving every day, like going to my oasis at Clexicon, just like, OK, just five more blocks and I'm there. And like I'd get in and it would be so lovely this 
bubble of these like supportive women, but then I'd have to go back home <laughs> to like the wrong side of the tracks, back to the Hooters. And let me tell you, I don't recommend it. It did make me kind of appreciate the beauty of Klexicon more, of how special it is when you get together with other women and women of color and queer women who all kind of understand the struggle, but are also so excited to just be around each other and to be telling each other's stories, which again, when me and Alicia finally got to talking more uh, at that diner, and even the night before at the Ascension Mm -hmm. party thing, uh, which we spent the whole night like kind of talking through about our lives and our you know our stories and it's through that that we realize like hey like maybe we should work together you know I told Alicia this one story that I'm like yeah it was basically my life and she's like that that's it right there I can help you create this and the beauty was born <laughs> do you want to do you want to mention what that story is what our project is that we're working on yeah um so out in love is a web series um, and it's about a um, married couple who after five years of marriage both realize that they're gay and uh, basically these two characters Sergio and Karina have to kind of go through the terrifying process of finding who they are on their own while not losing each other and um, it's gonna be great (laughs) it's gonna be great it's gonna be fucking awesome (laughs) is what it's gonna be and when she told me this story it wasn't like she was telling me this idea for a story it was like oh you know this is my life and this is what happened and I'm listening to this I'm like is she serious right now like this is a this is a hit like if the world were painted the way I wanted it to be painted which is in a rainbow this would be on like network television and would be a gigantic oh, yes. a gigantic hit so yes once I heard it that is the goal <laughs> once I heard it, I was like oh this this has to see this has to see the light of day so that's what we've been basically working on since we got back um from Clexicon and just yeah. trying to get it ready and get the scripts written and move forward and that's what a lot of this podcast is going to be about sort of digging into what is the process when you know you're just starting out and you don't maybe maybe you've never written a script before maybe you don't know what it means to break story and take a web series from idea to creation and how to raise money and all of those things so we're going to be doing that and we're basically going to be taking you on this journey with us and hopefully you'll be able to learn some things as we learn some things and and try to get this done and make it awesome and you guys can see it in all its glory at the end right and I I feel like so a question that I get a lot from my um, non-queer friends if you will they're great (laughs) are you sure (laughs) but um, (laughs) now they're allies at heart but something people bring up is like okay so why queer stories like you know why not just, isn't that so specific? Like, why don't you just try making a web series that's more broad or just about all kinds of stories? And I hate that because I just feel like, well, first of all, queer stories are broad. <laughs> There's a lot of queer people out there who are not being represented. And then I get into this like conversation about representation, right? And so I feel like, like looking back, I mean, do you remember, so what, what was like the first 
gay character that you remember seeing in media? Mm, you know, I think I want to say it was uh, Tara from Buffy. Right. I want to say that. I think same. But I feel like it was actually Xena, even though Xena wasn't oh. like really right. explicitly queer even though she totally was obviously right. in the love of her life is Gabrielle <laughs> yeah. but I feel like that was you know between Tara and Xena that was sort of my coming yeah. of age in queer representation on media I'll never forget I used to be in the uh, Air Force way back in the day and I was stationed in Germany and Xena had just ended and I couldn't watch it over there. So I went to the store on base and they actually had the DVD for rent of the series finale of Xena. Oh and I go and I pick it up to rent it. And one of my friends walks in and she looks at me and then she looks at the DVD in my hand and then she looks <laughs> at me again. And in that moment, she knew it. Like I feel like she read me like a book in that moment now granted this was at a time when you had like don't ask don't tell so there was no yeah you know being gay in the military so i just was like yeah uh, you know neither of us said anything about it and i took my xena dvd and went back to my room <laughs> and you know saw how xena and gabrielle would live out there you know lives uh, for the rest of time as far as i'm concerned so yeah i think xena and <laughs> and sarah what about you uh, so for me, it was Tara, I'm pretty sure. And funny enough, um, that whole... So I, I watched Buffy um, like any other weird, awkward teenager or pre-teenager. I don't remember how old I was when I started. Um, but I remember that I was really as... It's it's weird when I, I've re-watched um, the episodes of Tara and Willow becoming a gay item and when I was young though I didn't process it as fast as I'm processing it now like I I actually didn't know that Tara and Willow were gay for each other till like like shamefully very far along in that season I think it's like a moment when it's actually talked about when it's some episode where Willow t actually tells Buffy like me and Tara, we're a thing. And Buffy's all like, oh. And Buffy's reacting really like she doesn't know what's going on. And that was me. I didn't know somehow. I like went over my head and I was like, oh. Oh, they're gay. They're a couple. I just thought it was like they're friends with this big connection <laughs> about magic. They're like gal pals. And I was literally, yeah. And But looking back, I mean, I, I get it now, but... The way they played it, you know, because of how network television was, I mean, they didn't kiss for a very long time. Right. They would, they'd have them like make looks at each other. They used magic as a euphemism a lot in that show for like sex and lesbianism. But they'd be like, let's do a spell together. <laughs> and they'd have these like moments where they're all like having these like sexy, like deep breaths. And as you do. And, and now looking, right. And now that I look at it, I'm like, uh, uh. It was <laughs> all in the subtext back, at first. Right. And it had to be because. I, I imagine with networks and censorship and how basically um, gay sex is always NC-17 as opposed to rated R. I mean, everything's always just like, if it's gay, it's too much for television. So what I imagine the they children? ran into a lot of... 
Right. Well, <laughs> then they'll be gay. Babies. No. <laughs> well, they won't know what's going on. Show them some heterosex. Do you think <laughs> before it's too late? Do you late. think though that when you were um, missing the subtext with Tara and Willow, mm-hmm. how how did that connect? Like you didn't even know you were gay or queer at that yeah. point. Right. So yeah. So I uh, I am what I'd like to call a. A late bloomer. Um, I didn't actually um, realize that I liked the ladies till I was about twenty nine. Are we in a nineteen um, thirties film? You didn't realize you liked yeah, the, ladies. <laughs> the gals. I didn't realize I needed a gal pal. So no, um, no. I uh, I was twenty nine. Um, for those of you out there, uh, I'm thirty three now. So little bit of context um not that long ago but I I didn't even notice and I feel like I I wish I look at television now and I see and we still have a long way to go obviously but I see open gay female characters kissing and being with each other and I feel like if I were to have seen more of that I would have been able to recognize more of how I felt because I, I, I feel like I didn't connect with the characters I did see. I mean, it just everything seemed very one note. And again, like even Tara and Willow, it was so like subtext and hidden and I wasn't, I feel like I needed to be hit on mm-hmm. the head with it. Some people need a frying pan in the face. I needed a big gay frying pan to be like, look, look at these women kissing how does that make you feel (laughs) like you know just something to really stir it up because I was so unaware um yeah I mean for me I I've, I've always been a storyteller and the first person I told stories to was myself and mm. I would create movies for myself as a kid and tell these, Aww. you know, I would play these movies in my head uh, before I went to sleep. And each night I would just pick up where I left off and I would continue this film, basically. And I would always be the star. So cool. I would always be the star of the film, well, yeah. you know. Um, <laughs> well, yeah. But I remember <laughs> when I was 12, you know, there would always be like a romantic lead right for me to fall mm-hmm. in love with of course, of course right because i used to read like Naturally. my aunt's harlequin romances at way too young of an age so love it um but i remember yeah. distinctly around the age of 12 where these stories i was telling myself the romantic lead changed and it was just such mm. a seamless transition where now the lead wasn't a boy it was a girl and I didn't know what to do with that, so I just held on to that for myself and just kept telling myself well, yeah. these stories, but there was nothing in the world to sort of reflect those stories back to me, so it was difficult to right, understand. Right, right. Um, like, what, what was going, going on? on? Yeah. What did that mean? Um, yeah, so there was Xena, of course, and there was Buffy, and of course there's the L word, you know. Everybody knows that, yeah. but I feel really, for me, the Fosters, is something that was really important because I got to see this sort of wholesome look at a married couple, um, a woman and a woman and their kids and this sort of diversity. Being like everyone else. else. It wasn't like this unattainable thing of the old word living in West Hollywood and everybody's rich and fancy, you know? (laughs) 
this was yes. something that looked like a life that could be lived. And I, when I watched right. that show, I thought, my goodness, how different could my life have been or any number of kids had, you had seen I that? had yeah. that as a kid and been able to see sure. that and yeah. know that that was possible for me and didn't have to learn the hard way that that was possible for me by having to like create my own basically fantasy world and then trying different things to see is like, oh, well, maybe I can do this or maybe I can do that. And, you know, you, when you don't have anything right. to reflect back at you, you're basically just playing a game with the universe, trying to see where you yeah. where you fit. Yeah, because I mean, even like, um even Buffy and it was still it was still okay these characters they're gay together and everyone's okay with it but there's those episodes of like we're slightly weirded out this is different but we support Mm. you and it's I feel like the theme of almost every 90s and early 2000s show is like you can be gay but it's a whole thing we need to have a special episode a very special moment where we all talk about it and we say you can be different and we love you and I feel like that's such a turn off I mean honestly nobody wants to be different no one's gonna look at that and be like yeah I'm so happy, like I'm having gay feelings, so I can't wait till I tell my friends and they all have that weirded out look on their face, but say, no, we love you anyway. Right, we can tolerate it's it. It's like, anyway, like we'll, what? We'll tolerate like, this. Beside this thing, we love you as if it's like a bad choice. I hate that that expression, that whole like, either way, we love you. Like, it implies that what you're doing is just such a horrible thing that everyone's gonna overlook because they love you. Like why, no one's like, oh, no one sees you know a guy and a girl get engaged and go, either way, <laughs> we love you guys. We're gonna get through right. this, <laughs> you and me. We're gonna, we're gonna watch you guys and your hetero kisses and we're gonna just look the other way. But seriously, I feel like that's why the representation needs to be there to show all sides of being gay and all options of of being queer on the whole spectrum and the fact that it's 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 just a part of you it's not like you're just you're gay it's not like a category of person that is just part of who you are not like oh yeah here's a gay story it's like no here's a story and also Right, it's not the driving force. I feel like more of that. Yeah, more of that so that, you know, kids today or just anyone can grow up. I mean, I'm still growing up (laughs) watching these new shows. uh, Just like I want to see more normalizing of everything. And I feel like we can, you know, telling my story is a way that I really want to show something that's a little bit unconventional. I mean, when I realized that I was you know, that I had feelings for women, I was already married to a man. And that man also realized he had feelings for men. And anytime I tell people that story, you get different reactions. Sometimes they were like, oh, that's crazy. Or like, they're like, mm, did you know the whole time uh, were you each other's beards? And it's like, N- no, no, but okay. <laughs> Let me just show you the fact that it happened. We discovered it together and we didn't, choose to let it split us apart if anything you know we're still very close friends and it's helps my perspective on the entire queer world if you will because I feel like 
going into everything in your 30s, I'm basically like a teenager all mm-hmm. over again, watching media. I mean, the first thing I did too, when I realized like I was into women, I started binge watching like everything. Like what I binge the watched thing? the L word, the <laughs> L word. <laughs> Like I've, I've binge watched all of it and then I kept just like looking on Netflix for anything that was like a gay movie. Of course I saw Kiss Me, I saw um, uh, Blue is the Warmest Color, which I'm no. like, yeah, pass. why, <laughs> why? I did enjoy Kiss Me why? though. Yeah, Kiss Me had really, the chemistry in Kiss Me, ugh. Yes, yikes. Yes, yikes. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was like, I saved that for lonely winter nights. No, <laughs> no but seriously, um, I, I, and that actually is why another reason why we need to be creating this content is I was, you know, 29 in need of queer content to lead the way, and there wasn't much to binge. I was like, after the L word, and yeah, I already saw Buffy, and then like a few foreign lesbian films, and then it's like, right, that's it, that's it. And even those stories, a lot of them were one dimensional. A lot of them still had the barrier gaze trope of like, the lesbian woman who was married to a man in it suddenly needs to kill herself in the end, or, or something happens where it's like, she goes back to her husband and realizes she can't be gay, like, there's just, no, there were there weren't a lot of happy endings if it were if they were older films, and then there wasn't a lot of new stuff. And yeah, sure, there's a lot of porn, but I mean, come on, you're not <laughs> gonna get your story stories from there, here. right? I need some guidance. I, I remember reading this so, article uh, a few. I think it was around the time that the whole uh, Lexa situation happened I want to say it was Heather Hogan who writes for Autostraddle right now Um, if you don't go to Autostraddle if you're not familiar with that website you should definitely check it out Um, and she was talking about this idea that people um, queer women it didn't matter their age whether they were 15 or 20 30 40 50 we were all using the same language and the same touchstones for media because there wasn't enough mm. media so right. yeah. it, you had you know Dude, women who, yes. who who were in their 50s talking about the same exact stuff as teenagers who were just figuring out they were gay because we had such a small not we had but we have such a small yeah. um you know, pool like of pool films and from. Yeah, TV shows for sure. to, to choose from. So now we're in the age of peak television, basically. And mm-hmm. I probably have not watched less television in my life, to be honest, because <laughs> I just have run out of patience for watching shows that are about straight men, straight white men oh my specifically. God, yes. I yes. just I have zero patience for it. So so do I. It's kind of like I start it, and once I see, oh, the lead, the protagonist is a heteronormative man I'm out. who's white. Okay, <laughs> bye. <laughs> Thanks. On to yeah. the next. You know. So then, my next stop, of course, is can I have, um, can I get a female protagonist? And then I'm more likely yeah. to watch it. But even then, I'm still very picky because, frankly, I'm tired of heterosexual stories. I'm just, I've, yeah. I've 
had we've them had my whole so much life. Of them. I would like a different yeah. flavor now, please. And so yeah, we have to create sure. it ourselves because they are not going to create it for us. And specifically, I know mm-hmm. for for us, creating content for queer women of color is very important, and that's still something that's very lacking. Even as we, yeah, even within the queer right, community, even within the queer community, yeah. it's still something that's very lacking. And you know, you'll usually have a queer woman of color be the best friend or something like that, the sidekick, if she even yeah, shows up. Always, you don't really get to be the star. <laughs> she ain't there. You don't really get to be the star. <laughs> and so, it's really important to me, I know, to create content where queer women of color can be the the star of of the show of the movie of whatever yeah. it is that that I'm creating well because it also harks back to like the whole like if you don't see yourself represented you know it's harder to know who you mm-hmm. are sometimes like we need to see ourselves reflected back to us to really get a sense of like okay oh yeah that's me I mean I know so my background I'm um, my parents are Cuban and uh, I was born in this country, but uh, there's not a lot of, so Hispanic women especially are typically portrayed the same way, you know, maid, <laughs> just a maid every time. <laughs> maid, cleaning lady, or some kind of angry, angry woman. Don't get me wrong, we do get angry. Um, but the point is, when I saw uh, One Day at a Time, I, I, I was like, I, I, I didn't even watch the show right away. It was my brother of all people was like you need to see this show you just need to watch it and i was like ah oh, it's going to be a bunch of tropes about like oh ha funny cuban people and then i watched it and it was a bunch of tropes and it was right <laughs> <laughs> it was like accurate i was like oh my god that's such a stereotype yep <laughs> a like good a good one. one yep my my grandma did that mhm <laughs> like but it was it was weird cuz i was watching it and i felt this joy in seeing things that were so special and particular to my childhood Mm -hmm. and seeing them on a screen like not just talking like with friends or my family like actually seeing them and it's just like lit me up and then having a queer character on there that's right that was a bonus yes keep it going i know it's like keep it going let's get it gayer let's get it let's get it better no but i i thought that was so great And, and that's why we need these lead characters to be to reflect our world the way it is not just a very like specific perspective that we've been seeing for decades over and over again and it's hard and i i mean it's hard in the sense that we i we want to celebrate any content that's queer content i mean when i see something queer i'm not gonna be like oh man shit it sucks because that it's just another white man um I'm still happy that it's queer, but you know, let's get some broader perspectives, broader casting as well. The casting is just important. Let's cast people for who they are too, you know? If they're supposed to be uh, Latinx or if they're supposed to be black, if they're supposed to be Asian, let's uh, let's find some shout out to Scarlett Johansson who wants to play a tree and believes she should be allowed to play trees and animals. And such, can't wait to not watch Black Widow. Christina, continue. <laughs> yes, no, it's just, I, I mean, it's really not that difficult. There's talent out there um, that wants to portray 
all of these characters in isn't that the thing such a it's great really light. not that difficult it's not but it exists <laughs> we are here <laughs> we, we exist. exist we have ideas and thoughts and outside of the fact that i just want to see myself and my story reflected back in the content that yeah. i watch i think it's extremely important just on a societal level to to see mm-hmm. that because people are afraid of what they don't know and yes. currently you Thank know you. We don't need to do a deep dive into politics in the state of America um, because we want to, you know, not ruin the mood. But we we want to live to see tomorrow. (laughs) But, you know, we're in a we're in something right now. We're in a we're in the shit world of hurt right now in a world of pain. Mm -hmm. And things are all upside down in this country. And a lot of that, I believe, is because a people are racist. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> yes. But <laughs> and A wins it. <laughs> and full stop. Thank you everybody for listening to the Queer Bean podcast. We'll see you next That's week. it. That's all we had to say. <laughs> but yeah, people, you know, people are racist, but there's just a lot of fear of the unknown. And yeah, television absolutely. in particular, I believe, is the great equalizer for, for everything because when you can get yeah. a story about a very specific person into the homes of both somebody who lives in New York or LA or in Boise or wherever the heck, you know, you start to sort of eliminate some of that stigma, um, some of that yeah. fear and like, oh, well, you know, this person just wants their kid to have a good life. You know, this person is just trying to pay off their debt. This, I mean, yeah. you know, whatever. The show might be crazy and like, oh, I remember this person was an assassin, like whatever. You know, you can yeah. have all different yeah. kinds of stories starring all different kinds of people. And it's really important. And I feel like creating this content. It unites us exactly, more. Exactly. Yeah. It unites us more. Yeah. So anyway, we're trying to save the world, basically, is what we're telling you. <laughs> That's what this podcast is yes. about. One queer at <laughs> a time. One queer <laughs> at a time. We're, we're trying to save the world. So I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know how long we've been talking, but. I feel like this is a good time to sort of transition into how we're going to end each and every episode, which is uh, giving away a a queer bean. Um, And Mm -hmm. a queer bean is basically something that's, you know, residing in your happy place this week, essentially. So for this week, Christina and I are giving away the same, or we're not giving away the same queer bean. We're giving away our queer bean to the same people. Christina, tell yes. us, tell the people. Yes, it is the U.S. women's soccer team. Of course it is. All of the beautiful, beautiful queer women <laughs> who have really just shown up and done the damn thing and given us something to celebrate and done it publicly too. Love that. Love all the lovely photos of women kissing their women and not having to hide who they are and not having to announce it either and just being themselves and letting everyone see what it's like to just be a real human being. I mean, how far have we come? I remember watching yeah. um, soccer back in the day and like nobody was gay, right? 
which of course was a lie. Right. But <laughs> of course, gay just happened five years ago. It's a new thing. Uh, there never been yeah. gays. The Greeks totally straight. <laughs> I mean, yeah. as Megan Rapino said, you can't win. Was it like you can't win a championship without gays? It's science, I believe. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that, and it's true. And it's Love true. It. Yeah. It, it just this whole um, U.S. Women's National Team. Uh, road to the World Cup championship has brought me a lot of joy this week and last week and also For their sure. Instagram stories uh, shout out mm-hmm. to who, who was it Ashlyn Harris I think maybe yeah. like her Instagram stories were lit you got all the backstage uh, celebrations and I lived for it and the best thing she ever said was I'm a white girl, I'm a drunk white girl in a bar and I hate it. And I loved her in that moment. Loved her deeply in that moment. The self-awareness, the self-awareness is what won yes, me. Yes, that's what we <laughs> all need, what yeah. So. <laughs> On that note, I wanna thank everybody for listening uh, to the Queer Bean Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, at the Queer Bean Pod. You can find us on Instagram, at the Queer Bean Pod, basically everywhere at the Queer Bean Pod, and you know you listen wherever you listen. Christina, where can the people find you on social media? Um, you can find me at Christina Pupo. <laughs> My name <laughs> that's Christina with a K, Pupo, P U P O, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter that way because I keep it old school. <laughs> and you can find me at Elicia the Great everywhere you want to find me. That's how you'll do it. So thanks, guys, for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.